Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone here. Hello, everyone here. There is people here. Hello, everyone at home. So good to be with you uh, in this new format. Hope that you're finding it helpful and you're feeling like you can connect with what God's doing. You can sing. Let me just tell you the privilege it is to be able to sing. Over these last two Sundays, I've realized what a privilege it is to be able to sing. So make sure at the end of this sermon, we've got a little bit of time to sing. Sing your hearts out because we're here bursting, humming, clapping, doing everything but singing. So enjoy it. Make the most of it because it's such a privilege and such an honor to be able to do so. So here we go. Um, Acts chapter 16 today is what we're going to be looking at. Just to give you a little bit of context before we get into the actual um, text today. Remember last week Malcolm spoke about what we call the Council of Jerusalem when they, they got together and had to work out how do we make sense of this whole Jew and Gentile thing? And, and they came up with this um, list of things that, that, that really were to try to bring as much harmony as possible uh, between in these churches where people came from such different backgrounds in every way and really never were not used to being with one another at all. Um, and so what they decide is after this has gone out, Paul decides with Barnabas that they're going to they're gonna go back to the churches they've already planted and they're going to encourage them with this kind of, with this letter. They're going to go and do that. They go to Antioch, first of all, and then they say, let's go to all the churches we went to last time on our first missionary journey and let's see how they're doing and let's tell them about these things that have been agreed upon. And Barnabas says, yeah, great. And I tell you what, I want to bring along John Mark. And Paul says, no, you're not, you can't bring John Mark. Barnabas says, what's wrong with John Mark? Paul says, you remember what happened with John Mark last time? Last time on our first missionary trip, we got to Cyprus, stop number one, and then when we carried on after that, he, he went straight back. He, didn't, he, he sort of gave up on us. Barnabas was like, no, we're taking John Mark. He's a good guy. And they couldn't agree. So much so that they parted company. A sharp disagreement, godly people filled with the Holy Spirit. They couldn't see eye to eye. So Barnabas went off with John Mark. And Paul began to travel with Silas. And so they go on what we call Paul's second missionary trip. If you've got a Bible in the back with maps in it, normally there's a map called Paul's missionary trips. And this is the second missionary trip that Paul Paul goes on. So we're going to read from verse 6 of chapter 16 down to verse 10. We're going to get a map up. Is the map ready, guys? We're going to get a map up, and I love a good map, and we'll just talk you through it a little bit. So here we go. Verse 6 of Acts chapter 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So let's get the map up quickly. And if you look over onto the the eastern side there where it begins and where it ends, um, uh, Jerusalem and Antioch, that's where they had their disagreement. 
and then it follows Paul's trip, and you can see them heading west over uh, through. Now, Asia, we tend to describe Asia as a huge continent. In those days, it's basically modern-day, what, what, we, what we call modern-day Turkey is Asia. And so they were, they're traveling through there, but there was, they were in some ways hindered by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't God's plan for them to spend a lot of time preaching Christ there. And then they thought, okay, fine, we'll head north maybe into Bithynia, and then the Spirit of Jesus forbade them. These are really fascinating terms. You don't come across them. Anywhere else, really, in the Bible, it's very, very strong. They, they, they sense, no, that we're not allowed to do this. So then uh, they, they carry on um, west, and they get to Troas, and there Paul has this vision in the night. Uh, he sees a man from Macedonia standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Macedonia is part of modern-day Greece, and so they conclude this is what God is wanting us to do. Now, today, today's sermon, I'm going to just go through this little episode in the missionary, missionary trip and just pull out four main lessons. Um, but each time we do it, there'll be a lesson for those of you who are particularly uh, not yet Christians. You're, 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 you're tuning in, but you're saying, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure 100% about this Jesus yet. I wouldn't call myself a follower, a disciple. And then there'll be a point for those of us who have crossed that line and said, yeah, we're following Jesus. We're all in. So there'll be, there'll be a po- four points for each of us, and they're going to be real quick. So don't worry, because these are super short sermons these days. Okay, COVID sermons. Right, here we go. So point number one, Paul has a vision in the night, and he determines his whole direction. Just think on that for a moment. They're going here, they're going there. These are intelligent people. Paul is highly educated. One of, the greatest, one of the greatest minds perhaps has ever lived. I'm extraordinary intellectual. Uh, the plans aren't quite working out. He has a vision in a night, and they conclude this is therefore what we should do. Now let me just ask you first, for those of you who aren't yet believers, you aren't yet Christians, maybe you've got an idea of Christianity that's a bit dry, it's a bit stuffy, you, you, you think it's just about I'm going to church and singing hymns or things like this. Let me tell you that when... When you are in Jesus, when you're joined to Christ by faith, there is a, there is a dynamism about your life. There is, a, there is a power in the Holy Spirit that comes into your life, whereby things like dreams and visions become part of the way that God leads and guides us. I, can, I know that in my own experience. It was just last year, God, I had, this, I, had, I had a dream, very, very short dream, and I had it twice, exactly the same dream within, I think, a few uh, uh, maybe a couple of months, but exactly the same dream. And uh, when you get a dream from God, you know it's not just a normal dream. It's different. You wake up and you're like, hold on a minute. <laughs> and I knew, that, I knew what it meant straight away. And it was a warning. And I would say that it, it was part of God's kindness leading me to make a... To, 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 I was heading down a road in terms of just some of the life choices I was making. They weren't as wise as they could be. And God in his mercy just gave me this dream. And it was just one that pulled me up. I was able to just, what are you doing? Sort myself out and get, get wise on some stuff. Let me just invite you to into this as a reality of the Christian life. The Christian life is not dry. It's not stuffy. Um, we are to use our minds. There's nothing wrong with being intellectual. But there's a whole dynamic of visions and dreams and the activity of the Holy Spirit that is totally part of this. I want to just hold that before you and say, make sure you get the right idea about what Christianity is. And the right idea is in the Bible. To those of us that know and love the Lord, let me, just, let me just speak into a situation here where your plans aren't working out. We'll go to Asia. No, you're not going to Asia. We'll go to Bithynia. 
You're not going to buy dinner. We can sometimes get so fixated on where we think we're going to go and how it's going to go. We can live sometimes months, sometimes years ahead. The Bible says, come now. Those of you who say, we'll go there, we'll do that. We'll go there for a year, make some money, then we'll go there. Such boasting is foolish. Of course it boasting. Because there's a lot of presumption involved where you, you assume you know what's going to happen down the line. I think all of us have realized over these last few months, we really don't know what's ahead of us. But God does. He sees round corners. And if our hearts and minds are open to him, he'll show us the way to go. You don't need to know the next six months, the next year, the next two years in order to know the peace of God. You need to know that you're in his hands and he speaks. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's keep reading. Verses 11 to 15. So sitting south from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who had heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let me just draw your attention to this woman, Lydia. We don't know if she was a Jew or, or a category of people that they used to call God-fearers in Bible times. Now, the God-fearers were those who weren't Jews, but they liked the Jewish religion. And so they were kind of, they were on the periphery. They didn't convert, but they were on the periphery and they either mixed Judaism with their current worship of all kinds of other gods, or they began to lay aside those things and get closer and closer to the true God, the God of heaven and earth. But they were interested and it's when he says she's a worshipper of God, that word worshipper is a reverer. She was a God-fearer. Okay, so whether she was actually Jewish or not, we're not sure, but she was a God-fearer. She had some kind of a sense of the true God in her life and in her mind and in her thoughts. She was interested in that kind of thing. And um, I want you to notice how she gets saved. It's a beautiful thing. It says this. It says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord did it. And if you're someone here listening today and you're on the outskirts of Christianity, you're looking in, you're asking questions. Maybe you're reading the Bible. Maybe you've got Christian friends, Christian family. You're asking questions. Maybe you did Alpha last time. Maybe you're going to do Alpha this time on the 28th. You're thinking it through. What, what happened with Lydia? The Lord opened her heart. There's a simplicity about it. There's a simplicity about it. The Lord opened her heart. It says it opened her heart. What's the word it used here? Opened her heart to pay attention. That's an interesting word. It kind of means that it kind of covers up a few kinds of ideas. It, it means that, that you suddenly heed. You listen. You don't, you don't knock it away. You don't think, oh, that's a load of rubbish. Something so it goes in. You think, hmm, okay. And the other thing is about it is that it means that you begin to apply yourself to it. You think, what's this going to mean for my life? Oh, wow, if this is true, then, then uh, if ABC is true, then wow, DEF, this could happen. And you begin to think about how this might work for your life. And the third idea in that word is that you adhere to it. You begin to cling to it. You begin to stick to it. You go, I can't shake this thing off. This is an amazing message. That's what the Lord does when he opens your heart. Only the Lord can do it. And when the Lord does it, you're never the same again. It's a wonderful thing. I want to encourage you. If you're listening and you're thinking, I'm being drawn towards this thing. What's going on? Maybe the Lord is opening your heart. 
And for those of us who know and love the Lord, I want to just encourage us today, keep it simple. Keep it simple. We haven't got to know the answers to every mystery of the universe. We can just talk about Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Talk about what he's done in your life. Speak honestly and truthfully about your journey with him. It's such a powerful thing because it's real. Because our relationship with him is real. Because this isn't just some psychosomatic thing. This is spiritual reality. He has come into our lives, changed us forever as we've been born again. And so we're brand new. And so when you speak of this this Jesus, who is the Lord and who is the most important thing to you, the Lord will use it. Amen? So talk about Jesus and leave the rest of it to, to, to God to do. Verse 16, here we go. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safe to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Wow. We could do a six-month series on that, on that section right there. So there's so much that I'm not going to talk about, and I want to just apologize in advance because I've got to get through, and I want to just make the main point that I felt the Lord was highlighting to me as I was uh, preparing for this sermon. And what I, want to, what I, want to, what I really want to call out for, for those of you who don't yet know the Lord, I want you to notice that what happens in this bizarre situation this slave girl she's got a spirit of divination the word there is python a python spirit and the whole thing about that there was a cult in a nearby uh, city that was basically all about kind of fortune telling and they kind of the 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 python was kind of like their kind of their uh, I guess emblem the thing that they looked to in that so it says that she had a python spirit so really dark stuff it's real it's dark it's horrible Um, but you know really the darkest thing about it all is the love of money the darkest thing, it all, among all that nasty, vile, slimy stuff, the darkest thing is the love of money. This girl gets set free from this spirit. And her handlers, or whatever, whatever disgusting word you want to use in terms of the way they treated her, they, they, they make up this cock and bull story about, oh, they've got these customs. You know, it's crazy. Have you heard what they say? They, they, they take them to the magistrates. Oh, they've got these customs. They're, they're not lawful for us as Romans to accept. Nonsense. Their source of money had gone. They were getting rich off of this poor woman's torment. Absolutely outrageous. 
point I want to make is this. Whatever it is that we hold dear, whatever it is that's gripped our hearts, when the power of Jesus comes into our lives, we can be set free. You might be like that woman. You might feel tormented. You might feel tormented by dark powers. You might feel, I'm in the grip of something. I tell you, Jesus can set you free. Jesus can set you free. You might be in the grip of the love of money. You might spend your whole time thinking about money, worrying about money, angling about how you're going to get money. It's unhealthy. The Bible says those who want to get rich fall into many snares and temptations and pains. It's not good. It's not good. Jesus can set you free from that. Jesus can see it's just as dark as the other thing. It's just as dark. He'll set you free by becoming the center. And when he becomes the center, everything else finds its proper, healthy place. And that's a lovely place to live. For those of us who are believers, <laughs> I want to ask you a question. You've had a dream from God. Macedonia, Philippi. You turn up, first of all, it's looking quite good. You go to this place of prayer and there's someone comes to know the Lord, it's looking good. And then it all goes horribly wrong through no fault of your own. And you find yourself stripped, covered in welts and bruises and cuts in the inner dungeon. So you had a dungeon, but there was a dungeon within the dungeon. So you're in the darkest, tiniest, most claustrophobic space and your feet are in the stocks. Tell me at this point, how were you reflected upon the dream that you had? Was it God? I don't know about you, but I'm going really into me right now. I never hear God right. Look at what I've brought all upon Silas. You know, I'm just going introspective. I'm doubting. I'm, I'm getting into all of that. Why? Because, well, because you know what? It's, it's got hard. It's got really hard. Let me just say to you, whether something is easy or something is hard is not the way to work out whether or not you followed God properly or not. No, no, we mustn't start going in on ourselves when things get hard. We mustn't start questioning everything. If your heart is to obey God, if your heart is to obey God and do his will, I tell you, it's a spacious place. It's not a tightrope. It's a spacious place. And when things get hard and when there's opposition and when it's even when it's painful, you know what? You can maintain your sense of confidence because you know your heart ultimately was to serve him. And I love just the way they're here. It's a great picture. It's midnight. They're in pain. They're praying and singing hymns and the prisoners were listening to them. Imagine that. Who are these people? Who are these people? Why are they singing? And then we have this extraordinary moment. And I do want to just, just draw your attention to this extraordinary moment, this, this extraordinary earthquake. It is like a picture of salvation itself. You're in darkness you're in chains and suddenly there's an earthquake your chains fall off that's a picture of salvation right there in that prison let's read the final part when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors are open he drew his sword was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped but Paul cried with a loud voice do not harm yourself for we are all here and the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night 
and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And when it was day, but when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come now and, and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they've beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologised to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. They encouraged them and departed. It's an amazing moment. The, the jailer is about to kill himself because he's under orders to keep these prisoners secure. He assumes there's been this earthquake and everyone's chains have fallen off. He's going to go into an empty prison, right? He's on his way into an empty prison. He walks in. He's just, I don't know what he does. He's just about clearly to kill himself. And there's this incredible line. Listen to this line because uh, one of the leaders in our family of churches, uh, Angela Kemp, wonderful woman, she says, these should be the words on the lips of the church, to the world. These words. Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. The world needs to know the church is here. Because the world's in trouble. The world is in trouble. It's always been in trouble, <laughs> but it's become more and more apparent over these last few months. We're in a lot of trouble. And many people are battling with, what's the point? Because if your hope is in your next holiday... Or if your hope is in your next house. Or if your hope is in anything really in this age, ultimately, at the moment, that's a pretty hopeless situation. And the reality of the uncertainty of life is, is, uh, is, is, a, is upon us. If my hope wasn't in Jesus, I dread to think what sort of state I'd be in right now. Genuinely, I think I would be massively disorientated, confused. I think I'd be, um, I think I would, I would probably, knowing... What I'm like, without Jesus, I would probably be, at the moment, headlong into escapism. And then at some point, I would wake up out of that and not know what to do with myself. If you don't yet know Jesus, I want you to know we are here. We are here with the message of Jesus Christ. We are here with the good news. We want you to know you're not to harm yourself. Okay? Don't harm yourself because Jesus loves you. And he wants, to, he wants to forgive you of all of your sins. And he wants to clean you. And he wants to reconcile you to God and give you a brand new life. He wants to do that, okay? So harming yourself is not going to help, okay? But coming to him in repentance and in faith, you'll know a brand new life. And I want to say to us, church, this is not a season for us to go in on ourselves. This is not a season for us to become self-obsessed. It's not a season for us to just try to survive. Okay, you need to make wise decisions, of course, and, and all of that. And you need to make sure that you're looking after yourself, of course. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But we must be able to keep our eyes and our hearts out beyond just our home or our own self or our, uh, our, our church community so that we can pray. So that our hearts can be stirred with compassion and we can pray. We can pray for our loved ones who haven't yet met Jesus. We can pray for our neighbours. We can pray for our colleagues we can pray for our nation it's ever so important 
that we do that. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray. I'm going to just end in prayer and then um, we're going to spend a little bit more time just praising the Lord. We're going to do what Paul and Silas did. Um, We're going to praise him. We're going to praise him. And we're also just going to open up to the guys that are here, the men and women that are here, to be able to just listen to the Holy Spirit. Because we're the body of Christ. What does God want to say through us to the rest of us? Your encouragement. So also we're going to be waiting on God, just looking to do that as well. So let me just pray. So, Father, thank you for this amazing message. Thank you for what we find week after week in the scriptures. Just grips our hearts, Lord. And uh, thank you, you're at work by your spirit now. In this room and all across many, many homes. In this nation and and in different nations as well. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to use this service today to touch many people's lives. Father, we just pray, we ask you in the name of Jesus. There will be many today who, like Lydia, you would open their heart to heed the message. You'd open their heart to hear the good news. We thank you for the good news. We thank you for Christ crucified and resurrected. We thank you that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, so that whoever trusts in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the free gift of eternal life that's ours in Jesus. And we pray many, many would find it. And many would find it today, even through this message, we pray. And we ask you, Lord, as a church, that we would be mobilised, energised, encouraged. And you'd keep and keep rescuing us, Lord, from going under. Keep rescuing us, Lord, from panic and fear. Keep rescuing us, Lord, I pray, from things that would want to close in on us. I pray, Lord, that we would find your power in our lives in this season. Through the many, many different ways that you want to bring that, I pray that we would. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.